0: My Car Guru, episode 194. Well, I just took a COVID test, and it's negative. I'm just being cautious, getting ready to go to the Petit Le Mans race down at Road Atlanta, um, Gainesville, Georgia, just right outside from G- of Gainesville, about mm, maybe an hour outside of Atlanta. And, uh, you know, they're going to be going around the track, and I'm going to be spending a lot of time with my brother and a couple other geezers like myself, and I don't want to bring uh, COVID into the relationship. So I took, you know, one of those uh, self-tests. I don't know how accurate they are, but uh, it said, nope, Lenny, you don't have it. So I just have a, a cold. I'm achy, and I'm supposed to go to the auto auction tomorrow and probably walk six miles and that's really not that much fun, even when you do feel good. So we shall see. I don't know. I'll play about here. i got to get up at 5 in the morning and drive to Statesville, North Carolina. And they have uh, about 4,000 vehicles they're selling tomorrow. That's a lot of vehicles. And uh, I'm anxious to see if prices are stabilizing at all. It just seems like everything is selling at, oh, anywhere from two dollars to $3,000 over Book value, retail, book value. That's two or three thousand dollars more than what you should pay for it and that's what I have to pay. and then I have to pay uh, a buyer's fee and that you know that could be anywhere from 400 to six hundred fifty dollars. then I got to transport the vehicles back to Greenville. So by the time I get them here, get them uh, detailed, oil changed, you know, tires rotated, maybe new tires in some cases, then I could be easily. Four or $5,000 over what normal retail would be. And that doesn't sound like a good buying decision. So what I try to do is go to the auction uh, a couple times a month just so that I can actually touch and feel the cars and maybe sneak in a good purchase every now and then. Because who I'm competing against most of the time are Internet buyers. So this auction is like, imagine, picture a really thin, narrow garage, I guess, that goes out about... 150 yards or more. It has 23 doors on one side and 23 doors on the other. And then as the cars pass through, there's an auctioneer there. And, you know, used to this place was absolutely flooded with people. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people milling about, you know, looking at cars before they go into the actual in front of the auctioneer and raising their hands and you're bidding against all these different people that you could see. And see, now it's a ghost town. Um, you might see five or six people in each lane. Most of the people that are buying cars didn't bother to, to get up at five in the morning and drive to Statesville. They are actually sitting in the comfort of their offices, their homes, bidding against you. So you have to really look up at the screen and pay attention. So if you raise your hand, let's say you bid $20,000 on a car, then your bid, it says uh, lane bid, and then my, my number. And then the next thing you know, here's a dealer from New Jersey bidding and a de- dealer from South Carolina or Florida or wherever. And then I raise my hand again, lane bidder. And then you just, you know, you either get in or get out. And uh, usually I get out before it, it gets too unreasonable. You know, sometimes you just want to win and say, I'm not going to let these Internet bidders uh, scare me off. Sometimes you're bidding against Carvana. Or Carmax, sometimes a rental car company, um, Enterprise, Avis, Hertz. Uh, sometimes you're bidding against them as well. So, uh, and they're not basically turning the cars over uh, to sell. They're they're renting the cars. You know, they're buying. They can't buy get cars from the factory either. Um, so, they have to find low mileage vehicles that they can rent to people. You know, when you go to an airport to rent a car, you don't want to rent a car with seventy five thousand miles on it you know, expect to look at the odometer and see, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 miles max. Uh, at one time, probably five years ago, it was rare to see any rental car with over 20,000 miles on it. They all, had already turned them over to the auction on the what they call the program car auction. And uh, today, um, pretty much the program car auction is a bunch of high mileage stuff that the rental car companies have worn out. And so... Uh, you know, and usually when you buy cars like that, you've got to do a lot to them. And you've got to make sure while you're there to uh, make sure that it doesn't have any check engine lights. You know, there's no uh, obvious body damage or signs of a paint repair or whatever. Sometimes they disclose that stuff and sometimes they don't. They have a fleet of inspectors that work at the auto auctions and they go around. And they're paid to do nothing but evaluate cars and, and rate them on a scale of one to five. And um, a five is supposed to be a perfect car. I've brought a number five cars back to the dealership to find out that they're not so perfect. And that's what you also face when you're a a, a, any kind of internet buyer. You know, if you're buying a car sight unseen and they deliver it to your house, you better make sure that you have a uh, a right of refusal. You know, that you can uh, reject the car if it doesn't meet. Your standards, I think that Carvana does that, but you got to read the fine print on that kind of stuff too, because certain reasons will not qualify. Uh, I know a lot of dealers are offering money back guarantees on used cars, but it's really not a money back guarantee. They'll just take the thing back in, and you have to pick something else. You don't get your money back. Uh, They call it a an exchange program. So uh, you know it's, it's just so important to test drive the car first before you buy. But I won't have that opportunity tomorrow. I can get in, you know, fire it up, drive it around the, the probably forty acre lot that they have there. But it's hard to tell it unless you get something out on the road. That's why we buy this insurance called Deal Shield. Uh, you can't do that. It costs me two hundred dollars a car, and uh, if I bring the car back to Gateway and it doesn't pass our inspection, then I can just call them and and they'll take it back, or I have to deliver it back to them. Probably have to drive it back. We haven't had to do that very often, but occasionally you'll get one that just was misrepresented or whatever, and so we'll send it back. And, and the person who sold it to me, let's say an individual dealer over in Rock Hill, South Carolina, took this car to the auction, sold it. I bought it under Deal Shield, brought it back, realized it wasn't what what he said. I sent it back for any reason, basically. Uh, The Mannheim Auction, the auction company, is stuck with that car, not the guy who sold it. He got his money. He's gone. There is no uh, liability on his part. So that's pretty cool for the seller, but it's kind of inconvenient for the buyer. So that is what I will be doing tomorrow. Today I have done nothing but spent time on the phone talking to uh, different people who know a lot about the uh, vehicle charging industry. As I've said before on this show, as a Ford dealer, I have to make a decision if I'm going to be in the EV business or not. Now, I have an F-150 Lightning out here that we're using as a demonstrator model, and I've sold, I don't know, five or six of the Mach-E, maybe more than that, Mach-E Mustang. Some people get offended when I say Mustang, but it's that electric Mustang. And uh, so we've sold several of those, and, and but we won't be able to sell them anymore if we don't sign up for Ford's Model E program. And again, I've got until August, August, October 31st to make that decision. Well, a lot of the decision boils down to how much is it, how much does it cost to build the infrastructure that they want? The infrastructure being a 120 kilowatt charging station on my lot that will have two cords coming out, so two cars can charge at the same time. This is a DC fast charger, so it'll charge the typical electric vehicle in about, I don't know, thirty to forty minutes. And um, Ford is trying to build out a network of all their Ford dealers, so that you know if you're if you need a charge, then you can just look on the map, find out where the nearest Ford dealer is, and go charge up. As long as nobody else is sitting there waiting. So I have been talking to uh, our local power authority to uh, some consulting companies that that are in the business. That help not only dealers, but uh, utilities like our local utility uh, make decisions as far as what they need to do as far as charging. Uh, State of Tennessee is really big on uh, their program to charge, basically put charging stations every 50 miles along all the interstates and eventually along all main highways in the state of Tennessee. So that'll make it a little bit more accessible to everybody. Um, most of the people that I'm talking to say, "Well, Lenny, you really don't need to do anything for about 10 years because it's going to take a while." But you know, you got to start somewhere, right? And we we truly are on the cutting edge of a totally new way of getting around. Um, I'm not real excited about it, but it's coming. I think there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that are saying, "You know, this is what's going to happen." The federal government is behind it. Uh, industry is behind it, politics are behind it. You know, when you get to the grassroots, if you go to a UT ball game or, you know, wherever, you go to a picnic or and, and talk to the person beside you you say, would you buy an electric vehicle? Heck no. Most people won't because they don't have any confidence in it. You know, if you go drive one, then you'll have more confidence in it. You'll say, well, this is really cool. But then again, you start thinking about it and you think about where you're going to get your electricity, most, most of the time you're going to charge at home. And, you know, as long as you don't drive more than 300 miles in a day, you're good. You're good to go. Um, but if you drive a lot more than that, if you're on a trip or something like that, then you got to find uh, the, the charging infrastructure. And, you know, without that level of confidence, it's, it's going to be a while. And, but it's coming. So, you know, I remember just reading about Henry Ford and, and the trouble that he – not really trouble, but the criticism that was leveled at him for his folly of the automobile. You don't need automobiles, the horseless carriage is a bunch of crap. But you know what he did? He persevered. And uh, he was at the cutting edge of the auto industry in, in the United States. There were other companies that had, you know, built cars before him, Mercedes Benz, I think, or Benz Daimler Benz was the first actually produced a vehicle. I think Henry was second or third but his um, turned out to be the most successful in the first part of the twentieth uh, century, and you know the Ford Motor Company is still going strong. And now his uh, great grandson, great great grandson, is um, Bill Ford, and Bill is saying, "Okay, we're going to bet fifty billion dollars. That's enough to bankrupt the company if it fails. But we're going to we're going to bid fifty, basically bet fifty billion dollars." on this industry, and we're going to build these plants, and you will buy them. At least that's what he's saying, and I hope they do because I'm a Ford dealer. Now, Nissan, I'm also a Nissan dealer. Nissan is taking a a much, uh, I don't know, more level-handed approach. They're not forcing the dealers to make a choice. They're they're just going to send you EVs, our uh, new Aria uh, SUV, I guess you would call it, it comes in two—it's either front-wheel drive or, or all-wheel drive, and it's a, a maybe a Ford Edge-sized vehicle. Toyota Highlander is a good a comp, comparable vehicle, I guess. And it is um, going to be uh, available starting, I think, in—as far as the demo is concerned, it's going to be available to drive in December, and they'll start selling them next year. Now, as far as quantities are concerned— they're not revealing that yet. I think they're, they're hoping they can sell about 50,000 of them a year. And that's pretty small in terms of uh, total volume compared to what Tesla does and so forth. But it's a, a step in, in the EV direction. They're not really talking about hybrids and, and um, more electric vehicles now, but they will. There's some automakers that are a lot more into this than others. Ford is, is really jumping in with both feet, so we'll see what happens. Okay, I'll take my first break, and I'll be back here in just a second. I discovered something pretty cool this weekend. You know, if you have an old car, um, something that, maybe it's an antique. Um, Maybe it's uh, your personal daily driver. Maybe it's not an antique, you know, a 2015 model or something, but you really like it. And, you know, you, you go through the car wash or you hand wash the car. You keep the interior looking spotless, but then... When you put it up on a lift, you see how nasty the underneath of the car is. I mean, there's a lot of wear and tear that goes on under there. Well, you know, you can get a pressure washer and, and wash things off, but even when you do that, it still doesn't look that good. Uh, it, do, it definitely doesn't look new. Well, there's this new technology. Well, I call it new. It's new to me. It's been around for uh, actually since the 60s. in in a lot of different and major industry, but it's never been available on the consumer level. And that's called dry ice cleaning. So you know what dry ice is, right? I mean, it's, it's not water. It's not H2O. It's CO2 that has been frozen, basically. It's solid CO2. And so there are these companies that make these machines that are driven by a compressor, and you put dry ice crystals in it, and it blows through with high pressure through a hose, and you use that to clean car parts. Now, I saw a couple of demonstrations online, and this is something that I am seriously considering doing as a part of my overall business. You know, over the next few years, well, we really don't know how long it's going to be, but let's say the next 15 to 20 years, Um, they anticipate that 40% of all vehicles sold will be electric. Well, they don't have an internal combustion engine, obviously. They don't have a traditional transmission. They have an electric motor and a battery. And so the volume of, of actual mechanical businesses being done in a typical car dealership is going to go way down. So we're going to have to find other ways to generate revenue. And really, there are many other industries out there that support the auto industry. Um, you know, we don't do a lot of detailing except for ourselves. In other words, when we trade for a car, we put it in our detail shop, and we wash it and wax it and do all the, you know, clean the interior, vacuum, uh, shampoo the carpet if necessary. Uh, we do a lot of that stuff ourselves. Replace windshield, or We don't replace windshields. We pay somebody else to do that. We pay somebody else to fix the wheels, and, uh, you know, to to repair tears and fabric and stuff. Well, we may have to bring all that stuff in-house because a big chunk of our business is going to be going away. I see dry ice cleaning as a way to do that. Now, this, folks, if you look at it on video, you'll be amazed at how it will turn the underside of your car into, well, basically a brand-new car like it just came off the assembly line. Uh, what does it cost? Well, it's not cheap. And I don't know how many different businesses are doing this in your area, but you need to definitely investigate it if you're, like, redoing a, an antique car. I had a guy show me a 1966, uh, what was it, a Pontiac GTO. And it, you know, it was decent. It was not a really high-quality restoration. It looked good. It passed the 20-foot uh, test. But when you got closer than that, you could see the flaws. But still... You know, it's a a $20,000, $25,000 car. I'm sorry, it was not a GTO. It was a Le Mans. If it was a GTO, it'd be a $50,000 car. Okay, so now that we have that clarified. But this car looked horrible underneath. You know, you look at the shocks and the springs and the underside of the body, all the suspension components, the control arms, the rear axle. Well, you can make all of that look like it just came out of the factory with with dry ice. So you know, if you're thinking about doing something like that, it might be worth considering just look it up, just Google it and say uh, dry ice cleaners or dry ice blasting near me. Um, it's possible that one day Gateway Forward will show up because I'm seriously thinking about doing it. The equipment is not cheap to do it. To get into that business, I would probably have to spend somewhere in the thirty to $50,000 range just to be able to do it on a small scale. If I want to do it on a large scale, it costs even more than that. But it is something that I'm totally unfamiliar with and something that you may be interested in if you're willing, if you want to have your vehicle completely detailed. They can even use this. See, this makes no sense to me. You can use it on suspension components, and you can also use it to clean leather. You just have to dial it back a little bit, you know, not as much pressure. But they're actually doing interiors with dry ice. Now, what happens when you spray dry ice on your interior? Wouldn't you think there would be, like, the ice melts and there would be water all over the place? No. No when dry ice, goes, it just goes from a solid to a gas, and it just goes away. And it does not, for those of you who are concerned about the environment, it does not contribute to global warming since it was already CO2 before it became CO2 gas, and eventually it will all become CO2 gas. So you haven't added any. You're just changing it from one state to another and actually getting your car clean in the process. So I thought this might be interesting to you, and I'll... Uh, I'll let you know if we decide to take it up at Gateway or uh, Gateway Ford or Gateway Nissan. All right, I'll take my last break and be back here in just a minute. You know, I've found in my career that people have long memories for some things and very short memories for others. The short memory is what I'm going to talk about last. You may have purchased a new car recently where you got free oil changes with it. Now, a lot of dealers are doing it. Like, for example, when we sell a new Nissan, you get two years of free maintenance. That includes tire rotations and oil changes. Same thing with the Ford side. But what we're finding is that less than half of the customers are actually using it. So we're going to have to start making phone calls to people and sending them reminders. Hey, come get your free oil change. Now, why would you have to do that? Well, people have short memories. Uh, This also would be very sad for a person to pay for prepaid maintenance when they bought a car and forget to use it. You know, prepaid maintenance is sold in the finance office. Typically after the uh, after you've already bought the car, you go in and do your paperwork, and then a the finance manager presents you with a, a bunch of different options, and one of those is prepaid maintenance. Uh, we're finding that only about 75% of the people use their prepaid maintenance. So 25% of it is not being used. So again, we're going to do an all hands on deck effort to get people to come in and use. Of course, if somebody you know bought a vehicle from us and they live uh, you know in Knoxville, they may not want to drive to Greenville to get their free oil change, and I understand that. But that that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who are local. So if you got a free maintenance package um, in your you know when you bought your new vehicle from whoever, whomever. Um, or if you paid for prepaid maintenance, for goodness sake, use it. Take advantage of that benefit because it's a good one. And then, uh, you know, think about that the next time you buy a vehicle, uh, whether you really need to buy prepaid maintenance. Because you know, if you do the math, sometimes it does not work out. The only thing you're doing is paying interest in your car loan. You know, on oil changes, and I'm not sure that makes that much sense. But anyway, thank you for listening to this edition. Sorry about my head cold; I sound a little horsey, but at least I passed my COVID test. It was negative. So, folks, if uh, there's any reason that you need some advice as far as your car is concerned—buying, selling, trading, servicing—you want to know what the value is, call me or send me a text 423-552-2020. Or email me at Lenny Lawson2020 at gmail.com. That's L E N N I E Lawson2020 at gmail.com. And I will see you next time.